Welcome to the Sip and Feast podcast. Today, we're going to talk kitchen tools. This is such a great topic, Tara. I think what prompted us to decide to have an episode on kitchen tools are, there's a few reasons. First of all, people have asked, you know, what our favorite kitchen tools are. Um, the other thing is that we just came back from visiting an Airbnb and there was every kind of kitchen tool and gadget that you could possibly imagine there. And the truth of the matter is that kitchen gadgets and tools take up a lot of space. Yeah. Right? And, you know, we're kind of in a world now that's, I don't know, it's kind of trendy to be on the more minimalist side. There's a lot of people who are not having upper cabinets put in their kitchens anymore. I love that look. I like it too. It's very clean. But- the less space you have or the less storage space you have, the less kitchen tools and gadgets that you have room for. For sure. And yeah, I I absolutely love that look of the, if we ever redo our kitchen, we'll do that. Mm-hmm. First of all, it's cheaper too. You're, it is. You're eliminating <laughs> all the uppers. As far as minimalism goes in the kitchen, I've always been a minimalist. Mm-hmm. We'll get questions where where's the garlic press or yeah uh do you use an air fryer uh, can i make this in the instapot and yeah for the most part most of my answers are always of course you can use a garlic press and you mm-hmm. can use any of those kitchen tools but the question is do you really need them if i have to pull something out onto the counter yeah then i kind of don't want to use it don't go any further because okay. i thought it would be kind of fun to start off with like a little game here so we all know the story, oh, if you're stranded on a on a deserted island, what are the three things you would bring with you? So I was thinking we could tailor this to if you were stranded on a kitchen island. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. What are the three essential tools that you would need or that you would choose to have with you? And then I think after the game, then we'll go in and we'll just talk about every kitchen tool imaginable. So <laughs> what are the three items you would choose to have with you if you were in a deserted kitchen, you had all the food that you needed, but you could only have three tools. Tara, I just want to say you come up with the best ideas. Oh, thank you. We already do a bunch of pre-episode work, Mm -hmm. uh, bullet points and all that. So I know what Tara is going to say for the most part, but the three items that I would have on a stranded island, just starting off, do I have a stove already or do I is that have to be one of my items? So you're stranded in a kitchen. Okay. You have a stove, you have all the food that you need, you have a refrigerator, obviously, and a sink. Okay. I'd even give go so far as to say that you have like bowls and and cutting boards and 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 those types of things. Okay. So when I talk when I'm talking about tools, I'm talking like pure prep knives is that a part of it or not knives are knives you don't have okay well (laughs) we absolutely need knives without knives we are not going to be able to cook very Mm -hmm. well we won't be able to chop our food we won't be able to mince we won't be able to prep so we need knives now can i have multiples of each one of my categories okay three items so you need a chef's knife i'm I'm doing this because i want to prove a point yeah i i have a feeling i know what you're going to say yeah. And while we do talking points and, and bullet out what we're going to talk about, I know this is a complete surprise to you. You didn't know I was going to yeah. spring this little game on you. So chef's knife for sure. Mm-hmm. Because a chef's knife can do everything. It can fillet meat. It can chop. It can mince. It can even pound out, you know, pound something flat. 
because it has a uh, large enough surface. It's really the most versatile of all the knives. You can still cut bread with it. I always watch, uh, like I watched a video of uh, Jacques Pepin showing how he could do everything with his chef's knife, mm -hmm. including like he was, he like ran through a baguette in like 20 seconds. <laughs> of course he did. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, chef's knife for sure. Uh, number two, now this kitchen doesn't have pots or anything, right? No. Okay, well then um, we need, See, this is the thing. You really don't want to, I don't want to say a saute pan because then I need something larger. So I'm going to go with a Dutch oven. Mm -hmm. Is that, you knew I was going to say that? Yes. Yeah, because then I can still saute in it, mm -hmm. but I can also boil in it and I yeah. can braise and I can do everything in it, which you can't do in just a, a flat fry pan, saute pan. Mm -hmm. Okay. So it's definitely a Dutch oven. And you thought you you know all three of them that I'm going to choose, huh? Now you already said cutting boards. So cutting boards. You is, have cutting boards. I like already that's have cutting like, boards. I would include that in the surface of the kitchen that you're in. Yeah. Uh I mean, the last one is going to be spoons. Now, is that what you thought I was going to say, or was it going to be tongs? It's a it's really a toss-up. To be honest, in this regard, I think we got to go with tongs. Tongs can can stir, yeah, but a spoon can't tongue. <laughs> Do, you know what I'm saying? Is, is that a verb? Think about it. Like I can pull out a whole pound of pasta with tongs, mm -hmm. and I do it all the time. That's right. That's how I. That's how I pull out pasta yeah. most of the time. Or or I use a more specialty tool called mm -hmm. a pasta spider. But yeah, tongs can do that. It can flip my chicken when I'm doing a sear, when I'm cooking my steak, and it can also, uh, in a pinch, stir. Mm -hmm. That's right. Did you think I was going to say that? I wasn't sure if you were going to say, I, I actually thought you might say a spoon. I didn't think of the tongue. I think we need to get a t-shirt for you <laughs> for your birthday that says spoons can't tongue. Spoons can't tongue. I like that. <laughs> I like that you used tongue. You As know, a verb. I didn't, again, no prep here. So I didn't know what I was really going to say until I had to think about it. You told me I had cutting boards. You told me I had fire. You told me I have uh, a kitchen island. I have a, ki I have a kitchen. So yeah, uh, no, one of my three is not going to be a garlic press. <laughs> I didn't think so. <laughs> I didn't think so. Well, well done. Well done. Thank you. I, I actually, I wasn't sure if you were going to say a Dutch oven or like a 14 inch stainless Pan. Yeah, you can't but really boil your pasta or stuff in there. That's right. You can cook your pasta in there still, and you could still braise, mm -hmm. provided you have like aluminum foil. Yeah. But yeah, a Dutch oven with a cover, with a heavy cover, mm -hmm. is pretty, it's a great tool. A lot of people shy away from Dutch ovens, and you'll, you'll see even in the comments, a lot of a lot of them are being, are like, I want to get my first Dutch oven, which because they see us using them, which one do you recommend? Yeah. And I think part of the reason why people shy away from a Dutch oven is the cost. Because they think they need a yeah. La Crusade, yeah. which you 100% don't. Mm -hmm. I can't say this for, with 100% certainty, but I think that all these Dutch ovens are being made in similar factories or the same factories, and they're getting the same coating. There's just not a lot of places that do that industrialized yeah. coating. So I, I believe it's the name you're paying for, for the most part, yeah. when you're buying a La Crusade or a Staub. People can believe what they want. And, and the same thing goes for, say, like um, an all-clad pan versus a Tramontina. Mm -hmm. They're both great pans, yet the all-clad is way more expensive. Yeah. And you know, I'm not crapping on all-clad and and La Crusade and Staub. I will definitely take those, especially if they want to, you know, give it give them give them to us. We have uh a lot of La Crusade mm -hmm. stuff. We have uh, you a have, lot of all-clad pans. You're drinking out of a uh, Le Crusade mug right now. I just wanted to point out. There you go. 
I don't even think you knew that. <laughs> even though, I didn't. Even though the brand, flip it around, the brand is is right there. Oh, that was an M, it was like an M. Yeah. I was like an M80. Yeah. There's this guy in our neighborhood that just doesn't stop. He is. <laughs> do you know those people that it's like June first? Maybe not even June first. It's like April first, and they start launching a few of their. Because they're testing a few of their firecrackers and fireworks. Mm-hmm. These aren't like twenty-one year olds. Yeah, these no, are. They're our age. These are people in their forties, in their fifties. Most of them don't make it past fifty. They, 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 oh, they you know, don't they, say that. No, they like they injure themselves because it's an inherently dangerous thing and it's it unpredictable. Is. There are so many videos on TikTok right now of people launching these on their street and yeah. them flying back or misfiring mm-hmm. and hitting somebody or a car. I know I sound like an old guy, like get off my lawn. Yeah. But yeah, this guy just won't stop. He's just, you know, it's we're way past July 4th right now. It's like 1230 on a Sunday and there goes the M80. <laughs> <laughs> so listen, if you love fireworks, firecrackers, and you're getting upset with me right now, that's, that's fine. We have a dis- difference of opinion. I like to watch them from a very safe distance. I like to watch professionals use them. Yeah. Like, what is it, Gucci or Grucci, right? The Grucci. Gru- the Grucci uh, show yeah. that they've been having for like over 100 years. Yeah. It makes me scared when they're happening very close to our home, especially after watching that video where somebody launched it and it went up and then it came down, but didn't ignite till it came down. I remember when an older neighborhood that we were in, in Farmingdale, um, one of the kids used to launch them and then- the next day we'd have like hundreds of them on our lawn. Mm-hmm. We, we lived about five houses from him. So, yeah. and we didn't have a pool back then, but I imagine a bunch of people got, had a lot of surprises yeah, in their pool. Yeah, lots of debris and, yeah. you know. Let's move on. I'm going to steer you towards True North once again. Yeah, well, we, becoming, could do a whole, we could do a whole firework episode if you want. I don't think anybody wants to hear a firework episode from two Yankees. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, they're so, not even, that's the thing. People here, the Yankees got to go down south. They're not. E- they're technically not even legal here. So I thought we could start by talking about the gadgets that take up the most space, since space is an important commodity, and there seems to be less and less of it lately. Yeah, space is, so I've always treated the kitchen like we have a large kitchen or a small kitchen or a monstrous kitchen. I kind of always treat it the same way. Now, at maybe some point we will have a large kitchen. And just so you know, our kitchen that we're filming in right now is way smaller than our old kitchen. Mm-hmm. In our old kitchen. Well, our old kitchen is our that is, is our, our kitchen. kitchen. We, we, that's still our kitchen. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, for people who always ask, did we get a new kitchen? But yeah, the one we're in right now is 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 very small, and it's it's really small with all the camera equipment, and we have a pull up bar above us that holds a mic and holds another camera for when I'm shooting uh, process shot photos. So I always treat everything there. Space is such a precious commodity, but I've always been treating it this way. Even when we lived in apartments, lived in an apartment, you know, in the city or Queens. In our first house, had a small kitchen um, in in Farmingdale. That was most people in Long Island have small kitchens, and I would think most people in the rest of the country have small kitchens because mm-hmm. kitchens weren't built to be large until basically the McMansion stage started in America. That's right. And that's that. What is that like the two thousands essentially? So if you have a house yeah. built, if you have a house built like from two thousand on, you probably have a large kitchen. If you have a house built prior to that, you probably have a very small kitchen. Mm-hmm. It's just it's just how it was. So yeah, as, as far as these these tools that I have to put bring out onto the counter, like an air fryer or an instant pot, uh, 
I don't use them. Now we do have an Instapot and it sits, where Where does it sit, Tara? Well, it sits on top of the refrigerator, which I think is actually a great spot to store your larger appliances that you're not gonna use as often. It's right? a heavy appliance though. So it, it's a little dangerous to be pulling that thing off the top of the true. fridge. Plus you don't wanna pull it from the handle because if you don't have it set, mm -hmm. so you gotta hold the you bottom hold of it. Hold it from the base. I'm glad you mentioned Instant Pot because that was one of the first things that I wanted to talk about. And I know you you answered a question about the Instant Pot in the- It was a question from somebody. I don't know which, which episode number. It might've been the last one, uh, the Long Island Deli. Oh, Food Network. If you haven't listened to that episode, I recommend you do. It, it, it was uh, it was good, it was different. That's right, so you did answer, you did touch on that briefly in that, but I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit more about the Instant Pot, like maybe the best use cases for it, um, if you think it's a good tool to have that's gonna take up that space. And also, I wanted to ask you about a crock, like crock pots. Like okay. I've never owned a crock pot. Is it the same thing as an instant pot? And can you- I will just say the crock pot can do, the instant pot can do what the crock pot can do. The crock pot cannot do what the instant pot can do. So okay. the instant pot is more versatile. Okay. Way more versatile. I don't like the instant pot. All right. I'm just, you know, controversial, probably not for people who, who consider themselves a, a, a good cook. And I do consider myself a good cook. I do. Am I the best cook? No, but I don't think the juice is worth the squeeze, basically. Mm -hmm. I think it makes you a worse worse cook. It almost makes you want to use it for applications that it has no, and I, I joked, like, you know, you'll see a recipe for somebody making a fruit salad in the Instapot, or you'll see uh, a, a cake, like they do all these cakes. And the reason this happened, and the Instapot took off years ago, and basically everybody who bought one has already bought one. They bought one for their, you know, for their kids, for for their mother-in-law. And that term by Google search traffic is declining. So the it's it's hit its peak already. They're not gonna sell them to, they're not gonna sell an Instapot to oh, hold on. <laughs> they're not gonna sell an Instapot to somebody like me, though I already own one, but they're not gonna sell it to the typical person like me, they're not gonna sell one to. They're just, they're just not. So yeah, I, a lot of recipes that are, that you'll see on Google, inst like I use the example past, pasta uh, fazool, pasta fagiole. It's silly to do it in there. You, you're not gonna get the same as good of results. It's not gonna really take you any shorter amount of time, but I can use this. Let's not just talk about pasta fazool. Let's use another one. Like, are you gonna cook any pasta in there as good as you're gonna be able to cook pasta with the traditional methods? Tara, what do you think? No, and why would you? I'm coming at this with, with I, I would say, a high level of ignorance because I only use the Instapot for one thing, and that's to make rice. But why would you use an Instapot to make pasta? The marketing and the people, the food bloggers specifically, there's food bloggers that just do Instapot. Their, their whole business is, they actually have it, like Instapot in the name. Mm -hmm. And again, they're, they're not our target. And the people that follow them and use their recipes, they're, they're not they're not gonna wanna use some of the recipes we make mm -hmm. because our stuff is gonna look too complicated for them. Though a lot of people would say our stuff isn't really complicated at all compared to some like fancy French cooking channel. Mm -hmm. you That's know? true. So somebody would actually use 
the Instant Pot just to cook pasta? Like oh. they would add the, the dry pasta and water if and you, then if set you, it? If you Google Instant Pot pasta, mm -hmm. you will get everything coming up. You will have Instant Pot Carbonara, Instant Pot Amitrichana, Instant Pot Cacio Pepe, Instant Pot uh, Spaghetti Nerano. It's, it's, it's silly. And it's you're never going to get the same results. And it probably won't be labeled Spaghetti Nerano. It'll just be like zucchini spaghetti or mm -hmm. something. Because again, it appeals to some. It appeals to someone who doesn't fancy themselves a cook, or somebody who never wants to be considered a better cook or a chef. Mm -hmm. Do I sound insulting right now? I hope. I hope that's not what people are getting from me. But uh, now, let's talk about the reasons that an Instapot what it is good for. There are a lot of food bloggers. I'm not naming naming names. They're they've capitalized off the popularity of the product. They made a living. They made their. They've made their whole entire living doing Instapot recipes. Long term, I would not bet on their business. Okay, I just wouldn't. I don't think the Instapot will be a popular term ten years from now. Mm -hmm. I could be completely wrong. But typically, kitchen gadgets never ever last. So a blender lasts because it's a blender. Mm -hmm. Now it's not the name of the blender. It's a blender. It's a specific type of tool. All an Instapot is is a pressure cooker with digital electronics. So part of the reason why it became popular was it was marketed as something that is safer. And to be honest with you, it is safer. It definitely is. And safer than a traditional pressure cooker? A traditional pressure okay. cooker is extremely dangerous. Mm -hmm. I, I have actually witnessed the top fly off at like 400 miles an hour. Wow. And, you know, it just, it like put a hole through a wall. That's and scary. Let me tell you something. Anybody who's been in a commercial kitchen has the exact same story. So now, can that happen with the Instapot? I don't know. I, I think the Instapot has safety mechanisms that override it. But mm -hmm. again, it's only as good as the digital electronics that are in it. So that that's something that helped it gain its popularity. And it's just, it, it again, what pressure cooking, that's what it is. It's a pressure cooker. It's really good for that. So say you want to do short ribs really quickly. Mm -hmm. We know how long short ribs take. And you know, typical short ribs will be about You'll do a good sear on them. You get some color. You put them in a braise. You could you could braise them anywhere from about two seventy five to three twenty five with the with the Dutch oven covered. You could do it on the stovetop or just put it in the oven. Three hours, nice and tender. You got to go about six if you want to turn all the collagen, the connective tissue, the um, you know, the part that wraps the meat around that I told people not to eat when I did the short rib ragu one. And I didn't mean you can't eat it for anybody who. And let me tell you, there was about a thousand people that told me that that I that I messed that up. I wasn't using it in that thing because that was a pasta dish. Right. I didn't want that. You meant texture. you didn't want that connective tissue yeah. to be part of the sauce that yeah. was going on because the it's pasta. hard. Because it's hard. Now, yeah. if you want that connective tissue to liquefy, you're gonna have to cook those short ribs for about six hours. At that point, your short ribs will be completely mush. But the Instapot can do all this quicker. Now, can it do it much quicker? I don't know because you have to, again, for the Instapot, you got to use that little tiny pan. So say you have 10 short ribs, mm -hmm. that little tiny bucket, that bottom cannot sear all of them at once versus my 14 inch pan. I can sear them all and then pop them in a Dutch oven. Yeah. I could deglaze that pan, pop it in and so, pour all that liquid into a, a Dutch oven. So could you just sear them first in a pan and then pop them in yeah, but the Instant Pot? all Instapot recipes are never written that way. They're written for people It's that, like a dump and go. A lot of the Instapot like, marketing is also for people who go camping or go away. They take their Instapot with them. Mm. Basically, it's like they're taking a portable cooking device that can, Yeah. Like when we went to college, it was like it was like a little it was like a little hot pot. That's what kids used. Okay, yeah. 
you know, you heat up ramen or whatever. Mm-hmm. But yeah, going back to the to the short rib example, so you're going to lose time there. Then when you get them in the dot into your Instapot, you have to let the pressure build up. The pressure to get the pressure, you know, especially and we have the I have the largest Instapot model, I believe. Uh, just because the little ones are so small and even the one that we have that is technically the largest is still not as big as our eight quart uh, Dutch oven, I don't think. I, I might be wrong. We just don't use it that much. And I've tried. God knows I've tried. Because I was trying to get get in on that on that ter- those terms, but I never felt good about it. I didn't feel like a cook. Mm-hmm. I felt like, I don't know, I felt cheap. I'm sorry. I'm just telling the truth. It's okay. You know, we might lose some listeners here who who love it, but I don't think our listeners are really are too big users of it. I also don't think you're judging anybody for using it, and of course, people use it for their own reasons. Yeah, I'm so not judging just, people for using it. I'm telling people how I felt about yeah, using it, and I think that's fine. Well, you're being well, you're me, being honest. I, I use Brian Lagerstrom as an example, and I talk about him a lot. I I know I talk to Brian Lagerstrom guys like I. You know, I I message him occasionally. I don't imagine he's ever going to turn into an Instapot channel. No. That would be very weird. No. Same thing goes for somebody, some other YouTube cooks. Like, it it would be really weird if Gordon Ramsay just started banging banging out Instapot recipes. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. That's a long way of me saying uh, the Instapot is okay. Oh, and and Tara, you use it for? Well, I said earlier. I use it for rice. It works well for rice. And that's it. Yeah. I haven't used it for anything else. It works well for rice. It can do a good braise. And again, it's better than uh, a slow cooker because you can slow cook in it. It has like mm-hmm. eight things it can do. Slow, yeah. cooker, slow cooker can only slow cook. But a okay. slow cooker is good. You know, you put you put your stuff in in the morning, you go to work, come back 10 hours later, it's done. Like, like for like chili or something. I've never used one and my mom never had a slow cooker. My mom kind of looks for some of those kind of recipes, like those easier recipes. Mm-hmm. Like, So it's labeled slow cooker. So that's kind of what she's looking for, that type of recipe. Mm-hmm. We can obviously talk about Instant Pots for a long time. And by the way, am I what instant or is it Instapot? So you, it technically it is. I keep it, changing the it, way I'm saying. I, I, I just realized that as you were saying it, it is in, it's an instant pot. But I always just say Instapot. Okay, I say it both ways, and I'm sure throughout the course of this 20 minutes or so that we've been recording this, I've said it <laughs> both ways. I really don't know. Either. I don't know what the correct yeah. term is, but I wanted to move on to the air fryer because we do get a lot of questions from folks asking if some of the recipes that we have on our website, can this be made in an air fryer? And I know you have some thoughts on on air fryers and I wanted to know if you could share a little bit more about them. So an air fryer is an oven, full stop. It's not a new tool, it's not. And so, I mean- It's a convection oven? It's a convection oven. So if you have a modern convection oven, an air fryer is just a smaller version of it. There is no, difference between these tools. Now, the application-wise, you'll get a little bit better frying, not frying, you'll get a little bit more crispiness. It will heat up quicker, essentially what a toaster oven does. So anybody who's had a toaster oven, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners do have one or, or their parents have had one, it will be nice when you need to heat up one slice of pizza. Because if you have to heat up one slice of pizza in the oven, you gotta wait 15 minutes for mm-hmm. your oven to heat up versus a toaster oven because it's it's all physics. It's a smaller amount of space that needs to heat up. 
it can heat up quicker. There's a math equation for this. So as far as an air fryer, again, just absolute beautiful marketing. Now, I don't think the term air fryer is copyright, like patented or like, you know, trademarked. So there's all different brands that make an air fryer versus Instapot is their brand name. Mm -hmm. We've had companies reach out to us to do, uh, to do a sponsor, not even, so if you watch our videos on YouTube, on our main channel, you will see that we do sponsors sometimes. And these are often 60 second, they're called integrations. They're in the middle of the video. The company will give us some copy to read. We'll go back and forth. We'll agree on what we want to do. If we like the company, if we feel comfortable uh, putting them in front of you, you know, putting them in front of our audience. A company, I don't remember the name, they came with the air fryer and they wanted us to do a full, what's called a dedicated video. So mm -hmm. this would be like a 20 minute video about the company. So we said no, because it, was, it wasn't a company we really knew too well. It, like, it, like it wasn't Samsung or LG, which mm -hmm. I know both make air fryers. Yeah, I also think it wasn't even that. I think it just didn't align with our brand, really. I'm not going to lie. If it was one of the other brands, I might have, I probably would have really, we probably would have done it because the air fryer is a good tool. From everything I can tell about it, it is a good, useful tool. Now, it is just an oven. So you're not gaining space with an air fryer because what's happening now is you have an oven mm -hmm. and now you're having another smaller oven that's on your countertop, but it is faster. And, and so say you want to do 12 wings, you put them in the basket. You know, modern ovens now, like modern convection ovens, they'll give you a bigger basket and they'll say this is their air fryer attachment because mm -hmm. they're trying to get in with the, you know, with the rise of the term. Now that term air fryer, I believe also has topped out and is going down. So I, I look at terms a lot because for our website, I have to know what's trending, what is what is starting the trend, what's on the move. Uh, trend Trends start and die much quicker now than they used to. A lot of this is because of TikTok. I was going to say TikTok. They just, yeah. you know what happens? They exhaust things quickly. Mm -hmm. So it gets in front of everybody. People get bored. They move on to the next one. Right. Not a lot. Most of these things are not uh, evergreen where they last too long. Mm -hmm. But air fryer is a good tool. It really is. I, I actually, I think we should get one. All right. Note it. We're growing a ton of zucchini in the backyard. Ton. At one time I had like 90 flowers. So frying them, you know, I could do them in oil, obviously, which is which is the superior way. But I wanted to test them out in the air fryer. I was going to because when I do oh, zucchini yeah. flowers, I don't stuff them normally with it, it's a big mess. If you have like 50 flowers and you, you know, you have to do stuff them with uh, you know, like a regatta cheese mixture and they don't even need that. If they don't, you just make a batter. Mm -hmm. So the same batter that you do for the fried zucchini, mm -hmm. so it's like a kind of like a wet, like a beer batter almost. Mm -hmm. And then you just put the zucchini flour in there and then you fry it in olive oil. Yes, in olive oil. And then you, right when it comes out, you put flaky sea salt on it. Delicious. The best thing. It's one of the best things you'll ever have. But in order to make them, you kind of got to grow zucchini. Mm -hmm. Some stores will sell them. But I, I don't even to think try stores these. have them. I think you'd have to go to a farmer's market. Farmers, they, a farmer's market. They like wilt so quickly. They have to be picked that morning. I wanted to do them in the air fryer. So I was going to do an experiment. Now, I don't think I would have been able to do that type of batter, mm -hmm. but I was going to like spray them because a lot of times these air fryer recipes, they use like spray olive oil. Okay. They're like, I'm going to spray my wings with the olive oil mm -hmm. and then put them in the air fryer basket and then they get nice and crispy. So I was thinking it would be really good for the zucchini flowers. It would have been an experiment. Yeah. See, I would like to do some videos like that on YouTube, just experimental videos. Yeah. 
often like one of the video experiments I thought of would just be like, James just kind of just picks what I have to make. Mm-hmm. Now I know the Food Network, which I was bashing the other day, has has multiple uh, shows about this, right? Yeah, don't they? Chopped. I chopped, is that what it show. is? Yeah. yeah. I'm so ignorant. I'm like, oh, Tara, I came out with a new idea. Yeah, no. You're like, it's been on Food Network for 15 years. Yeah. <laughs> I came out with this new idea. I'm going to make my hair spiky and I'm going to go to uh, all different diners, dives, and drive-ins and I'm going to bring a camera crew. <laughs> oh, it's so original. <laughs> Tara, I just want to say again, I really like this episode. I know. You're so you seem so like a kid in a candy store. I get excited and I hope that translates to our listeners. I if they're not excited about listening to the, the next episode of the Sipping Feast podcast, <laughs> we are not serving them. That's true. We're not serving them. That's true. They can go listen to some other podcast if we're not entertaining them. Mm-hmm. Well, I find you entertaining, but that's because I'm stuck with you. So <laughs> you already talked about air fryers. What do you think of deep fryers? Are they worth it? Should they take up space on your counter? I feel like we spoke about this on one of the episodes, but we did have a pretty large deep fryer with two baskets. Mm-hmm. And it was great. It's great the day you're using it. And then when it's over, you're like, oh, what am I? Now I got to... So you, you say you do like fish and chips. You're not going to save that oil. If you are going to save that oil, you got to strain it and get it into a container that's airtight. It's going to stink up your whole house. By the way, if you're going to do fish and chips, I just recommend you just do it outdoors to begin with, unless you got some crazy good exhaust vent. And so we were stuck with this oil and you're getting all the residue from all the frying and you're, you're kind of left in a situation where was it worth it? And when I would eventually clean that oil out, which I you really you really need to do it that day or a day later, then you have to clean the actual where the oil went in. Mm-hmm. You can't just leave that machine. So it's like cleaning a it's actually like cleaning a deep fryer in a restaurant. Yeah, which was not a fun job. So would you say you're just better off using a deep pot or a Dutch oven to do your frying? Absolutely. Okay, that's what I thought. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean because and I don't recommend you do too much frying or unless you're gonna. Want to start getting a stomach like me. (laughs) So let's move on because I wanted to talk about some of the other appliances, kitchen gadgets, tools that take up a lot of space. One is a food processor. And do you find that the food processor is necessary or can the chef's knife just get all that chopping done? The chef's knife can absolutely get all that chopping done, but a food processor is an awesome tool. And I, you, you can see the older videos when I would do stuff that involved a lot of chopping. People, they'd be like, why don't you get a food processor? So I finally bit the bullet and I've had them, like we had one when we were younger. I don't know what happened to it, but um, now I had a smaller one. I got it. I believe it was an eight cup. Mm-hmm. And I bought that one when we were doing the pizza gaina. Mm-hmm. Or P- Pizza China, Pizza Guyana, or Pizza Rustica. Mm-hmm. I just have to say all four names because everybody knows it as something different. Uh, yeah. Uh, I bought it then when we were doing a dough. And then since then, we had, we've done so many desserts. And the desserts have really uh, proliferated on our site. So basically any dessert, when you're doing a uh, short crust uh, pastry, yep. you know, p- what, pasta, pasta frolla in, in Italian, um, that's what you need. And, you know, you can do it all by hand, but but what a pain. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, take it back to pesto, which mm-hmm. we just put on the site. And I did the pesto trapanese uh, for, for the YouTube channel. Uh, it just makes things so easy. You know, a few comments were like, 
you know, you need to do that in a mortar and pestle. In my opinion, it's not that good to do it that way. You need a very large one. And now you can find a relatively cheap large one at Costco they used to sell. It was like that guacamole one. You remember that one? Yeah. I don't think they sell it anymore. I haven't seen that in years. But that was made out of rough stone. So it's mm -hmm. not the right one. That for, was really meant for guacamole. Yeah. It's not meant for pesto. The real one for pesto is made out of uh, marble and they're about $400 the cheapest they go up to like fifteen hundred dollars because you need a large enough one unless you're making a little bit of pesto for one person but you know we make food for the family mm -hmm. we make food for four we make food for one pound of pasta i you know you'll never see a recipe where we're doing a quarter pound of pasta <laughs> that's another thing if just if i did the videos just for one or serving or two serving the videos would be infinitely more easier the reason i don't do them that way is because it would make our lives infinitely harder then I would have to make it again for us. Yeah, because we're eating all the food that you make. Food processor's awesome. And what I was going to get back to, that I have that eight cup one. I have a really a large industrial one that I is in a box in our closet that I haven't even opened yet. And that is a 12 or a 14 cup. So could you just use a blender for that stuff? Some things you can. Like you can do pesto and with a blender. Mm -hmm. Though, you know, supposedly it'll it goes a little too fast and it can burn it and... Uh, I've never, I don't think I've ever done pesto that way. You can't do dough in the blender though. That's the thing. Yeah. The food processor chops. It's, it's, it's really excels for when you're making a, like the short pastry dough. Mm -hmm. It chops the butter, that cold butter into the flour, you know, into your sugar mixture. You get that perfect dough. Now you can use a hand cutter to do that. Mm -hmm. It makes everything so easy. I really recommend the food processor. Yeah. And likewise, since we're talking about blenders, there are certain things that you can't, that you would have to make in a blender that you can't make in a food processor. Like you're not going to make like frozen pina colada or frozen margaritas in a food processor. Yeah, you need, um, and honestly, to do that right, you need that, that blender that we, we went on vacation to, where was it? Jefferson, New York? Yeah, to an Airbnb. You need a Vitamix. They had every tool and one of them was a Vitamix yeah. that Tara got to test. I was always so perplexed why Vitamix was so much more expensive than like, we have a Ninja uh, blender. And then I used the Vitamix and I was just like, wow, this is really, <laughs> this is really awesome. And now I see what the big deal is. Add it to the list. I don't think that's as important as a food processor. Mm -hmm. So, And it's funny. Most people have a blender, but they don't have a food processor. Yeah. It really should be the other way around. You think? I do. Because what are you doing with the blender? Making a, making a shake? Yeah. Smoothie? I, I know those are popular now, but pl there's plenty of people that have gone their whole life without ever having a smoothie. Mm -hmm. Are you one of them? No, I, I hate to say I'm not, but I would say probably a large portion of our audience are, are those people. Mm -hmm. you know? You're probably right. The next appliance takes up a ton of space, but I think is so important or so helpful if you like to bake. And that's the stand mixer. The we, uh, we have the yeah. KitchenAid, there's other, there's other brands of stand mixers, but what are your thoughts on the stand mixer? So the stand mixer is an amazing, useful, awesome, great tool. Now, that being said, it's expensive. It's expensive and I know why people don't want to buy it because it's a large outlay for something that they think they're not going to use too much and they might not use it too much. Mm -hmm. Now, the funniest part about it is when I went through the 200 pounds of flour, learning how to you know make the New York pizza dough, which we spoke about in the New York pizza 
episode, podcast episode, that was all done by hand. I, and we had we had the mixer the whole time. Mm-hmm. Tara's had it for years. I bought it for her years ago. Uh, bef- for Christmas. Way before we started Sip and Feast or anything. That was for cookies. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I just I didn't want to do the pizza dough with it because I wanted to do what everybody else could do. So I wanted to do everything by hand. That all being said, if you can afford a mixer, I really recommend you you do it because you know you can look at my pizza dough recipes and you know kneading doesn't have to be. This is the thing with recipes. A lot of recipes will say you have to knead for nine minutes. And if you don't do that, the recipe's ruined. That's not the case. You have to understand feel of the dough. And if you're a really strong person and you can knead fast, you're gonna, it's going to take you way quick, uh, a, a much shorter time than, than someone who's, who's weak. But it's still work. And the KitchenAid can just get you to that stage with pizza dough in like, you don't even need to. The, the recipes will complicate. They'll be like, put it on number one and a half and then raise it to four after two and a half minutes. You just dump all the stuff in, everything right in the KitchenAid, turn that thing on, on level two, five minutes later, you have a you have a strong dough. Mm-hmm. You can let it go six or seven minutes. Can you over, like over knead your dough in a KitchenAid? Yeah, you can. In my experience, that's difficult to do. There's one other use case for the KitchenAid stand mixer that I thought would be helpful to mention because we used it for making cannoli dough. Yes. It's the pasta attachment, right? Is that oh, the, yeah, the yeah, part yeah. that we used? We didn't even get into the yeah homemade yeah. pasta. Homemade pasta is ridiculously hard without a without a KitchenAid. Mm-hmm. So that rolled out sheet. That, you're talking about we used a sheet attachment, which yes. you would use for lasagna or yep. making pappardelle. Yes. We used it to make cannoli. That's right. Yeah. So if you want to make pasta, it's they have the pasta attachments, which are probably worth getting if you're getting the KitchenAid anyway. We just really briefly touched about what a KitchenAid can do with fresh homemade pasta. We're going to do a whole episode, maybe multiple multiple episodes devoted to pasta, meaning homemade pasta and dried pasta, utility of which one is better and all that. So we'll just save that for that other episode. So you have a lot, I can tell by looking at it, we we probably have only done about half the list there. Yeah. What are yeah. some of the other ones quickly? So there's the ones that I had on my list to talk about were garlic press, citrus squeezers, waffle maker and pizza iron, espresso <laughs> machines, Chemex, French press, Keurig, drip, induction versus gas versus electric, ice cream maker. I mean, the, like the list can go on and on. So being that we're limited by time, I think we can certainly hash out some of those in a Patreon episode, which I think, you know, if if you're enjoying this topic and you want to listen. Yeah, we're going to continue this on the Patreon. The Patreon comes out uh, twice a month. So that's that's the deal there. We've really, Patreon has become the podcast. It's just become more episodes of the podcast. Love doing it. Uh, maybe a little bit more free-flowing, I guess, than this one. Uh, it's quite, a little more informal. No video. It's just, no video. just audio just on audio. Patreon. Yeah. We'll talk more about this. There's too many, there's too there's, many left to there's go There's too many, but really quick, I wanted to talk about the waffle maker okay. and the pizza iron. We just got back from our trip. We stayed at an Airbnb. They had a waffle iron there. I had never used a waffle iron before, and... I was making the waffles so easily. And I said, I really want one of these. They do take up space, but I'm going to make my argument for the waffle iron and for the pizzal iron. So for those of you not familiar with pizzal, they are really thin, crispy waffle-like cookies that 
normally you'd you'd find around the holidays, right? We have a recipe for it on our website. Yeah. So my argument in favor of the waffle iron and the pizza iron is that you can't make waffles or pizza without the iron. It's not something that you can duplicate without the iron. That's right. Does that make sense? That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what can you also do with the pizza? Oh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because, we just, because you just mentioned, okay. the, you mentioned the cannoli. Yeah. So cannoli are really, really labor intensive. They are really hard to make. The shells. The cannoli filling, super easy. But the shells. Well, the, 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 the filling's easy as long as you can get impostata. Yes. Yes. That, we'll save that for another episode. That's another episode. We're, we're going to do an episode yeah. where we talk about the desserts. Yeah, and probably the, multiple, the Italian pastries. Multiple and, ones. And, yeah, I yeah. mean, you could you could have a, an entire podcast just devoted to that. But the cannoli shells are really difficult to make. So what you can do if you want to take a shortcut is you can make pizza batter and you can just, when your pizza, when your pizzas come off the iron, they're still kind of soft and malleable. So you could really just shape it using the cannoli form, the metal form, into a cannoli shell. Yeah. And then you once it yeah. once it, you know, cools, it's hard and, and together. Yeah, it's and definitely and it's so and they look good. good. They look good and it's you can so also much easier. You could also make sandwiches. Yeah, we with, did that too. With the p- double pizza with the cannoli cream. Yeah. The other thing is so the standard pizza recipe uses and is that right? Anise oil, uh, yes. Yeah. So that's the standard pizza, which is very typical. It's how everybody makes them. But you can change your pizza recipe and put mm-hmm. Marsala wine in it, that's which right. is what is the typical ingredient in a cannoli shell. Mm-hmm. So you can get, which will give it that color, a little bit dip flavor difference. So you can kind of flavor them that same way. That's right. Now, a cannoli shell is still better. Now listen, if you really want a cannoli shell, just go buy cannolis, cannoli shells from from a bakery. The yeah. bakery will probably sell them to you. Yeah, they you sell can, the shells. Then you can pipe filled. them yourself because the whole thing about a cannoli that makes a cannoli special is it doesn't matter if it's the best place in the world, the best bakeries, and there's tons of Sicilian bakeries here in Long Island and there's even more in, you know, in the city. They sell it to you and they pipe it in and they're like, you know, you really need to eat that right away. It's not like mm-hmm. you buy it from them and you wait five days to eat it. It doesn't yeah. matter if it's the best cannoli in the world, it will be soggy and it won't mm-hmm. be good. So it's really all about timing and you can do the timing yourself then if you make the shells or if you buy the shells yeah. or take the easy way out and make the pizzas. Yeah, that's so good. We gotta stop filming these or we gotta stop recording these podcasts when I haven't eaten. I know, I'm because so hungry I'm too. I'm very hungry. Well, that's what, what the problem was when we were talking about the deli, uh, the, the yeah. Long Island deli one. Yeah, my stomach was growling. That was like, if, if any of you have ever read the Game of Thrones books, which Jim and I read them way before HBO even got a whiff of- Yeah, because we were, because we're better than you. <laughs> it's definitely that. And um, no, it's like that's like a thing that hipsters will say. Yeah, you yeah. Know? but no, we did read them. We did way yeah. before they were in Barnes and Noble when we. I found them. Borders, uh, borders, borders. Books. I found it. Borders books before it went out of business. They were just sitting there, yeah. and this was ten years before it came out. Yeah, and yeah. we we would commute on the train, and that's when we yeah, read them. And we read them. Yeah. But the way George R. R. Martin describes food is exquisite, and. I would just be starving reading the books. Yeah, no, it's a great, you can make a whole 
website just devoted to all the food in Game of Thrones. You could also do a whole website on the food in Zelda. That's if, right. If you have a son or daughter who plays that game, or maybe maybe it's not your son and daughter, maybe it's you. <laughs> My, James has been playing that, and it's it's just too complicated. I'm, so I just sit there and watch them. Mm-hmm. That's that's what I do. Yeah, <laughs> just it's my way of relaxing. In the interest of time, again, I I know there's a lot more to talk about, but um, I want to get into some of the listener submitted questions. I love the listener submitted questions, and we said it in the past. Podcast at sipandfeast.com. That's the email address to send the questions. You can also send them in Instagram. You can send a, a video message. And if you want your full name, your first and last name, just just tell us and, and we'll do it. Uh, if you don't want your name at all, uh, you know, of course, we will honor that too. So this question I chose because I thought it would pair nicely with this episode. And this question comes from Guy. He says, we are vacationing. Guy. Does his last name start with an F? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not Guy Fieri. Um, Guy says, we are vacationing at a home that has an induction cooktop on the stove, and the more I use it, the more I like it. Would you do a series on what you find to be strengths and weaknesses you encounter using induction with your recipes? So I think we can hash this out more in a future episode. Oh, I can hash but- it out now, though. Can you answer it in a yeah in in the next few minutes? Of course, I can answer it now. We have an induction. We have a portable induction. Mm-hmm. So inductions are great for a home cook. They're not good for a YouTube cook, and I'll tell you a couple of reasons why. They are loud, so you have to de you have to use a denoise uh, effect, and it's it's you have to kind of know what you're doing to edit audio. They get really loud, and there's a whine. So it's like the magnets hitting the metal of the pan. As far as safety goes, it's not really an issue there. It's they're 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 actually safer. They have so much safety built into them that it makes it a little difficult. So if you cook and you like to flip flip stuff in the pan, sauteing, flip your pasta. If you take it off and each make will be a little different. Some will have a 10 seconds. If it's off the heat, mm-hmm. it will turn off. Some go up to 30 seconds. But then if you had it in the air that long, when it goes back down, you have to remember to turn it back on. The other oh, thing- Oh, it doesn't yes. go on automatically. And the other thing that drives me nuts about induction is that I, I know there's a couple brands that have knobs, but almost all of them have, have adopted the European buttons the and it's just I want instant feedback, so that's why I use that's why I use the little butane burners, which again are so popular with YouTube cooking channels. They all use them. Um, but as far as induction, yeah, we're probably going to put an induction a full setup in into both of our kitchens, the sip and feast, you know, filming kitchen and the main one. We're going to do that simply because we don't have gas here. That's right. We just have electric. Yeah. Electric is inferior. Induction runs on electric, but it's magnets and it works. The technology works different. I saw induction like a real, a real setup uh, when we did when I did the uh, video with Mike G. Uh, Mike G. from Pro Home Cooks. Oh, so he has induction. He invited me to his house, and this was like over. I think it was about a year ago now, where it's on his channel, the video. But um, he had a setup, and it, you know, it could boil water much quicker. Mm-hmm. It was nice. It's clean. Yeah. Even even he was still using the butane burners, you know, for the videos because, uh, again, there's there's more there's advantages and, and restaurants here in in America don't really use induction. Rest all restaurants I think in Europe do because I think Europe is like a ton of it's off gas. 
Yeah. Like they just are using the induction. Do you need special cookware you in do. order to use you do. induction? That's another part of it, which I didn't even go into. You need something that has a strong magnetic field. So you you know, you take a magnet and check. But if it doesn't, so some pans will work better than others. Normally it's pans with a really that are heavy that have a flat bottom. They can't be rounded at all. So they have to be a dead flat bottom. We have a Calphalon pan that's stainless steel that has mm -hmm. a very like thick yeah, magnetic bottom that would work that really would work. well. Cast irons, I believe, would work really well. Um, you know, if you're pulling it off and on, you have the glass there, so you could potentially break the glass. Though I haven't really heard of that being a problem. I, I don't know. I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna find out once we put one in. But I'm I'm definitely not anti-induction like some people are. Like, you know, I feel like people always want to pick a side on these things where. You know, a lot of it's political. They're like, oh, they're trying to take me, take my, they're telling me to take my gas stoves out of my house or, or whatnot. I'm not, I'm not like that. I just, I have to be practical. We can't get a gas line run here. If we could, I probably would, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Well, the, the oven and the Airbnb we stayed at or the stove oh, was my gas. Oh God, that yeah. stove, this stove, she, she, the, they had a blue, it's blue star. It was a six burner with a middle uh, grill. I looked it up. It's a $15,000 stove. And let me tell you, no induction is going to compare to that thing ever. Mm -hmm. It could be the most expensive induction ever. This thing, these burners, they just, the size of them and, Oh, I was like you were like in heaven I, cooking I, on that thing. <laughs> I, I I cooked burgers on there. I cooked steak. I I was just I would yeah, but I mean that's why it costs fifteen thousand yeah. dollars. It's not it's not a it's not a my it's not our eight hundred dollar GE Spectra. Which by the way, that oven is is holding up. I know twenty. 20 I think that's like years. the original oven that came with this house, which yeah, is so built it might in be 30, the 80s. 30 year thirty year oven. Yeah, yeah. The oven is great. It's just the stovetop that's not. If you're cooking on an electric stovetop, you have to learn the tricks of electric, meaning that you cannot lower heat. Your feedback feedback does not exist on an electric stovetop. Meaning, what I mean by feedback is with gas, you lower immediately, and it you you turn the knob and it lowers mm -hmm. immediately with you. So that's giving you that instantaneous feedback. With electric, when you turn down, there's a lag, and because of the coil, the way the coil works, it takes too long. And if you need to cool something, if it's burning, you need to get that pan off of that burner. It's really hard to cook scrambled eggs on yeah. an electric stove. You gotta like, you really gotta master the art of sliding the pan over mm -hmm. and you should have a little bit of water next to you so you can kind of splash it in. Yeah. And uh, I always cool recommend down. this, even on our videos, it will lower the temperature of your pan really quickly. Yeah. Say like you're burning onions or garlic and you're doing a little saute, you had your pan a little too high, don't panic. Lift it up, take a, t turn the faucet on, run your hand under it. So your hand gets wet. So then just splash your hand into the pan and it will lower all of uh, the temperature enough to not burn. So hopefully you sufficiently answered Guy's question. I, I think I I think I covered everything about an induction. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Guy, I'm not anti-induction. Great. <laughs> all right. So this next question comes from Vanessa. I'm anti-hipsters. That's who I'm anti. <laughs> Stop. Everybody who watches this channel knows that. All right, so this is from Vanessa. Vanessa says, when I watch your video and other cooks on TV, your herbs, such as parsley and basil, look clean and dry. I assume you rinse the herbs and dry them somehow, but no one ever talks about this step. And I do want to add to that because we do get a lot of comments from people saying, oh, you didn't wash your vegetables. You must have so much dirt in your food. And I think some people don't realize that we do clean stuff off camera, but I don't think that was Vanessa's question. I think she is wondering what is the best way to, you know, 
rinse and dry your herbs so that they're still good. Because oftentimes when you rinse an herb, it becomes wilted and yeah. not really that good anymore. So do you want to talk about that? Vanessa, I always, I, I wash all, everything we, we, we eat with always. Uh, but as far as herbs go, if you buy them from a supermarket, say you buy parsley from a supermarket, do not rinse it when you get home with it. Rinse it be right before you're going to use it. If you rinse it when you get it home, it will be, and you don't dry it off properly, you're going to put it back in the fridge. It's going to just become, uh, it's going to become a wet green pile within a couple of days, depending on how fresh the parsley is. So as far as our own garden, the basil and parsley that you might see in my videos, especially the videos we're filming during the summer, which a lot of these summer videos, you guys, off, uh, you, you will often see kind of when the summer's over because there's a lag time for when we film, but the herbs will look very fresh and they will look like they haven't been washed. And the 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 honest answer is they a lot of times they're not washed because I'm out there watering the herbs myself. I put no pesticides. I put nothing on my herbs. I don't I I use organic pesticides on my regular vegetables. Like I'll use neem oil or BT. For herbs, I don't do a thing. Maybe I use a tiny bit of soapy water in a spray bottle to keep the parsley parsley caterpillars. I hate them. Like keep them off my parsley. But um but that's it. So I'm when I'm there during the day and I'm rinsing it, you know, kind of they're getting a rinse with the the hose anyway. Mm -hmm. So they come out and uh, it's the best. But it's only a couple months that you have that luxury. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah, as far as supermarket stuff, just rinse it right before you're going to use it. N not not even not even 30 minutes before. Yeah. I would say that that is also true for fruit. Yeah. I know a lot of people like to rinse their berries when they get home from the grocery store and then store that. I never understood that. So that they're ready to eat. I think it's ultra neurotic people think they're going to spread a germ from the supermarket into their into their uh like into their refrigerator or something. I don't know. I don't know why. Maybe they think it's convenient when you just wash everything when you get home and then you store it and I, I mean, and some people are crazy with what they to, wash like, eat. you know. If you do that, if you do rinse strawberries, they're going to not be good the next day. No, don't do that. Don't wash any anything that has a hard outer shell, like a lemon or anything. You don't have to wash that anyway. I mean, well, some people wash their avocados. My my mom washes them. And if Why I, would you wash an avocado? You're never going to eat that part of the avocado. Because the knife, when you slice it, uh, the knife see, pushes the bacteria in. That's I, crazy. So you say you don't wash lemons. Linda, you're crazy. <laughs> I, I do wash lemons. Especially if I'm going to, if first of all, if you're going to zest a lemon, you don't wash it. You no, absolutely if I, if should. I, yeah, but I'm using the lemon. Okay. If I'm gonna, if, I don't wash it too well if I'm going to zest it because it won't zest if it's wet. If you're- I take a damp towel and I dry it. I like clean it that way. Okay. All right. So you're yeah. still, you're, it's still getting But washed. I don't see a purpose for an avocado. That'd be like, do, you, do you, people wash bananas? <laughs> That's insane. <laughs> I don't know. Watch, we're going to get so many comments. They're going to be like, I wash my bananas all the time, yeah. Jim. <laughs> I don't know. I would wash a lemon if you're going to put a slice of it in your drink. I would too. Okay. But, well, you just said I don't wash my lemons. So no, I, I mean, when I'm I'm not using lemons really for that. I use lemons for when I need lemon juice okay. and I'm just juicing it. But when you slice it, you're slicing whatever's on the outside of it is going <laughs> to the inside. Wow. Well, we can agree to disagree Yes, here. yes. Let us know. Who, are you Team Tara or Team Jim? <laughs> I don't want people to get the wrong idea. I wash everything. You don't wash your bananas. Like, <laughs> clearly, we know how you feel about that. <laughs> well, 
Thanks for listening and leave your questions to podcast at sipandfeast.com. And we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.